Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, it's Amy McDonald's there. Welcome to this edition of the Arsenal Audio Program. Arsenal versus Leeds United, Sunday, 8th of May 2022, kickoff 2 p.m. The contents around Arsenal, official voice, sustainability, player feature, Emil Smith Rowe, history, community voice, Academy Young Gun, around the Academy, visitors, Leeds United, Arsenal Women, match action. Chelsea FC versus Arsenal. Match action. Arsenal versus Manchester United. Match action. West Ham United versus Arsenal. And teams. Around Arsenal. Mikel and Jonas sign new contracts. We are delighted to announce that Mikel Arteta and Jonas Eidvall have signed new contracts with the club. We mark the moment with a special double signing in the director's box, overlooking the pitch at Emirates Stadium in the presence of Chief Executive Officer Vinay Vinkatesham and Technical Director Edu. Josh Kroenker said, My father and I are delighted to have extended both Jonas and Mikel's contracts. It provides stability and clarity for the future and helps us all move forward together effectively. Mikel's commitment and passion are clear for everyone to see. We are confident that as we move forward with a clear plan for success, he will get us back to competing for the top trophies in the game. Turning to Jonas, he has had a fantastic start to his career in England. He has done a terrific job with the team, and we are in contention for the title on the last weekend. We are confident that he will continue to take us forward in the years ahead. Mikel makes a commitment. Since arriving at the club as manager in December 2019, Mikel has impressed everyone with his clear vision, passion and intelligence. And speaking after signing his contract on Thursday, he confirmed he was thrilled to be able to extend his exciting journey with the Gunners until the end of the 2024-25 season. I'm excited, grateful and really, really happy today said Mikel shortly after his team guaranteed a return to European football for next season.
We want to take the club to the next level and to compete really with the top teams. In order to do that, we have to be playing in the Champions League. We have to be able to evolve the team, improve our players, improve all departments, generate even more connection with our fans, improve the atmosphere at the Emirates and be able to recruit top, top talent and the best people for this club to drive this project to that level. Mikel was clear on his aims when he arrived and how he plans to meet them. My main target was to set and install the values and level of respect in terms of how everybody was going to represent this football club and how everybody was going to defend this football club and how we were going to transmit those values to our supporters. The second one was to have a clear identity, how we are going to play, who we want to be and how we are going to do it. I think those things are now very clearly defined and supported by everybody. That has led to the unity we now have around the club with our fans. As for today's game and the crucial last four games of the season, I am confident the team is going to give a real go. We're going to really go for it, said our determined former player. We are in a really good position right now. We have fought so hard to be in this position and everybody is on board with this massive ball of energy in our stadium to go again and beat Leeds. The Gunners' technical director, Edu, couldn't have been happier to tie down the Spaniard to a longer deal. I think the timing is perfect, said the Brazilian. I really believe the message will be a big lift to everyone, to the fans, to the club, to the players, to Mikel. It's important to show everyone where we want to go as a club. We are going to face a big summer again and it's important to have our manager here. Swede extends stay. Jonas Eidvall has also put pen to paper on a new deal after an impressive first season in which he has taken the title challenge all the way to the final weekend. Jonas, who joined us from Swedish side Rosengard last summer, has signed a contract to the end of the 2023-24 season. It's great, he said. It allows me to continue to work for a club I love and be around people I really like and to be able to achieve things together. You want to see that the club have the same ambitions that you have and that the players, the staff and the fans are invested into that vision. You want your family to live a good life that they enjoy. I think here we can find both and I'm really looking forward to it. Returning Heroes There's a special treat for supporters today, a half-time experience by players from one of the greatest eras in the club's history. Covid denied us the chance to properly celebrate the anniversary of our 1971 League and FA Cup double. But we were determined to mark the occasion this season and have arranged for the majority of Bertie Mee's team that won our very first double to be at the match this afternoon. They also enjoyed a special meal together in the Diamond Club last night. Sadly, not everyone can be in attendance, of course. Bertie and his hugely influential first-team coach, Don Howe, are no longer with us, and neither are a number of the players. We have lost legendary winger George Geordie Armstrong, defender John Roberts, reserve goalkeeper Jeff Barnett, and most recently, just five months ago, Ray Kennedy, scorer of the goal that clinched the league title at White Hart Lane. Make sure you give our boys of 71 a very warm welcome, Arsenal Football Club would be nothing without the superstars of our successful past. Granite's cover wins, just. Through club partners Socios, 
supporters were able to vote for their preferred cover. We chose celebration pictures from each of the three goals scored against Manchester United at our last home game. The poll was tightly contested. Granit Xhaka goal, 38.74%. Bukayo Saka goal, 33.15%. Nuno Tavares goal, 28.11%. Thanks to everyone who voted. Let's hope today's game produces plenty of future cover possibilities too. Ref Watch. Today's referee is Chris Kavanagh from Lancashire. This is Chris's first Arsenal appointment of the season, but he was in charge of four matches in 2020-21. Premier League defeats at Manchester City and Aston Villa, a win at Fulham and a 2-0 FA Cup win over Newcastle at Emirates Stadium. In the Premier League this season, Chris has handed out 56 yellow cards and two reds in 15 games. Project Rocky Members of Project Rocky were guests of the club at the Arsenal vs Brighton and Hove Albion game recently, hosted on box level by Monique Rowcastle. Last year, to mark the 20th anniversary of Rocky's death, the Rowcastle family and the club made a commitment to continue to grow his legacy through the Rocky 7 project. Arsenal in the community worked with seven young people from a range of community outreach programmes who were guided and mentored as part of a leadership programme designed to give them valuable life skills, volunteering opportunities and the confidence to be leaders in their own community. The participants were referred from Arsenal in the community's estates, girls' football, disability, employability and community coach development programmes in the local area. They were mentored by club staff who supported them to achieve personal goals. Welcome Sabrina. Arsenal Football Club welcomed Sabrina and her family to Emirates Stadium today as guests of the club. Sabrina is a 25-year-old lifelong Arsenal supporter who was recently diagnosed with a stage 3 brain tumour. We would like to offer Sabrina great strength as she embarks on the biggest fight of her life. If anyone would like to know more about Sabrina's battle, and possibly donate to her Just Giving page to assist in the medical and non-medical treatments, please scan the QR code on the left from the physical programme. Get well soon, Stuart. Arsenal supporters will notice Leeds fans today are wearing T-shirts dedicated to their Northern Ireland international Stuart Dallas, who suffered a broken leg during their last match against Manchester City. Everyone at Arsenal wishes Stuart a successful recovery from what is a very serious injury and we hope to see him in action again next season. Fans Forum Meets The Arsenal Fans Forum held its first in-person meeting for two years on Tuesday evening in the boardroom at Highbury House. Some members joined virtually, as did Josh Cronker, represented by our owners Cronker Sports and Entertainment from the United States. Josh opened by saying it has been a roller coaster season that's heading to an exciting conclusion, with the men's team chasing a top four place and the women's team competing for the league title. He paid tribute to supporters for the fantastic support home and away throughout the campaign. Chief Executive Vinay Venkatasham echoed Josh's comments, saying that while we are very pleased with the progress of the men's first team this season, we are behind where we ultimately want to be namely competing for the biggest trophies in the game, which remains the focus of our planning. On the women's side, he says he was delighted with how head coach Jonas Eidfel has settled in. Investment will continue with new facilities at Colney and continued work to build the squad and support staff. We also plan to play more women's matches at Emirates Stadium. 
Finoy pointed out that we are working to strengthen the relationship with ex-players with a number of visitors to the Colney training ground. Finoy also spoke of the club's ongoing commitment to community projects, with highlights being the No More Red and Arsenal Supporting Supporters campaigns. He stressed that these are only possible due to the dedication and hard work of the Arsenal in the community team over many years. There were further discussions on how items raised by fan groups, including plans to drive the atmosphere at matches, a fan survey on safe standing, the project to update the stadium cause, the kit launch for next season, pre-season tour and our partnerships with Socios and Visit Rwanda. Minutes of the meeting will be published on arsenal.com as soon as possible. Ticket news. Home tickets. Arsenal vs Everton. Premier League. Sunday, May 22nd. Kick-off 4pm. This is a Category B fixture. My Arsenal Rewards members will earn 100 points for each ticket purchased for this fixture. Tickets are now on sale to Platinum, Silver, Red, Cannon and Junior Gunner members via the Ticket Exchange Service up to 1pm on Sunday, May 22nd, 2022. Away tickets. Tottenham Hotspur vs Arsenal. Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, Premier League, Thursday, May 12th. Kick-off 7.45pm, live on Sky Sports. The fixture sold out to all Platinum, Gold and current Travel Club members 25-plus away points. Newcastle United vs Arsenal. St James's Park, Premier League, Monday, May 16th, kick-off 4.30pm, live on Sky Sports. This fixture sold out to all Platinum, Gold and current Travel Club member 5-plus away points. Notice board. Totalizer, £1,300. Welcome to Willow Connolly from Dublin, who is attending her first Gunners game with big sister Lily and brother Tyke. Happy 7th birthday, Carter. Hope you all have a lovely day. Love mummy, daddy, Ava and all your friends at Arsenal FC. Happy birthday, Craig Speak, from Jason, Samantha and Alfie. Dearest Hannah, wishing you an amazing Guna 30th birthday. Love from Baldy and all your family. Happy 10th birthday, Finn. Hope you enjoyed the match from your mum and dad. Justin Quinton, have a very happy 50th birthday. May the Gunners get a good win for you today. Happy birthday, Nikhil. Win or lose, this supporter never flaps. We love you, Nikhil, from the boys. Leo Bellwood, happy 6th birthday. Attending his first Gunners match today. Love Uncle Gavin and Auntie Emma. Arsenal remembers. Harold Webb saw his first Arsenal game in February 1946. Guna always. Stephen Checkley, age 70, a lifelong Arsenal fanatic, loving husband, brother, dad, granddad, great-granddad and uncle who will be missed by all that knew him. R.I.P. Steve. Terry Hill, lifelong Arsenal fan and season ticket holder who sadly passed away in March. He will be sorely missed by his fellow Gooners, Darren, Dave, Dom and Jamie. R.I.P. Terry. Devon Wright. You could always rely on Dev to make your day brighter, with his famous laugh bringing joy to everyone. He loved Arsenal, travelling to games with his dad, sadly missed by all that had the pleasure to meet him. Kelvin John Sarginson. August 24th, 1954 to April 3rd, 2022. Age 67. A loving husband, father and grandfather who proudly followed Arsenal all his life. Sadly missed by all his family and friends. Christine Miller sadly passed away on April 2nd, 2022. Loved and missed by her husband Nigel and her two sons Nigel and George 
who would like to thank everyone at Arsenal for happy memories. Carol Pickering. Rest in peace, our beloved Auntie Carol. Match days will never be quite the same. You are just the best and will live forever in our hearts. Love from everyone who had the honour of knowing you. Happy 100th Annie. Congratulations from everyone at Arsenal to Annie Elson, who celebrated her 100th birthday on March 27th. A great-great-grandmother and lifelong passionate Arsenal fan, Annie was delighted with all the gifts and kind messages from the Arsenal manager, players and staff. It made her day. Stop press. Steph signs on. Arsenal woman left-back Steph Catley signed a new contract with the Gunners on Thursday. Everyone at the club is thrilled to extend Steph's deal with the Gunners. The Australia international has been in outstanding form this season. There will be more from Steph in the final programme of the season against Everton. Enjoy the game, Joanne. Joanne Harvey is a special guest in the director's box this afternoon with her husband Paul celebrating 35 years of service to Arsenal Football Club. Joe, the club's media and communications operations manager, is the longest-serving full-time member of staff. Fast approaching 36 years, Joe started with the Gunners on September 10th, 1986. We would like to thank this wonderful representative of the club for her magnificent service to Arsenal. No more red shirts for young role models. The No More Red initiative, launched in January with Adidas, to support the long-standing work being done by Arsenal in the community to keep young people safe from knife crime and youth violence. Within that, one of the aims was to spotlight the work of young people who have made a positive difference, and today we celebrate five of them for the work they have put into Arsenal in the community programmes and beyond. So, well done to Isaac, Meadow, Rowand, Chelsea and Elise, who will each receive one of the iconic white shirts that highlight the campaign. Isaac is 23 years old and a member of the Arsenal in the Community's Amputee Football Programme. He recently joined our programme following surgery. Isaac has demonstrated outstanding bravery, commitment and motivation to join our group. He is a role model for individuals who join our group and through his own experiences can empathise and build connections with others. Isaac is passionate about sports and keen to pursue a career in coaching. Meadow is an Islington resident who recently completed a Level 3 Facilities Management course with Islington Council. Having applied for the apprenticeship after leaving school, Meadow has demonstrated an excellent commitment to working practices and has really blossomed over the past two years. She recently came runner-up in the National Public Service People Management Association Award and has gone on to deliver presentations to groups of young people offering her experience of work and brilliant work ethic. She is an inspiration to other young people in the borough and is proof that with determination, hard work and commitment, you can achieve your goals. Rowand is a Camden resident who has been involved in our KICKS programme for the past three years. Starting as a participant, Rowand progressed through our Young Leaders programme and now supports the delivery of football activities on local estates. Although he is passionate about football, he has also demonstrated a strong commitment to giving back to his community. Rowand is a fantastic role model for younger participants, setting a positive example for them to follow. Chelsea is a youth worker in Islington with the Copenhagen Youth Project, CYP. Having started engaging with CYP when he was 10 years old with his two brothers, 
He plays a key role in engaging and supporting local young people. Starting as a participant, Chelsea went on to become a youth mentor aged 16, a youth volunteer aged 18, and then joined the CYP Youth Work Team as a trainee aged 21. He has also worked for the Islington Play Association and is highly respected within his community as a positive role model. Elise is 17 years old and passionate about sports. She is a young athlete and currently studying a BTEC level national diploma in sports. Alongside her role in sports, Elise is motivated to support others. She recently trained to become a peer mentor and is now an ambassador for Jigsaw, an Islington-based mentoring organisation. She acts as a positive role model for young people who are facing challenges and supports them through building relationships and sharing her own experiences. Official Voice, Albert Stuyvenberg. Every issue, we hear exclusively from significant figures at the club on our Official Voice pages of the programme. Today we feature first-team coach Albert Stuyvenberg, who joined the club when Mikel Arteta became manager in December 2019. I've been coaching for 30 years, and I'm so proud now to be part of this journey we're all on together at Arsenal. I started coaching at a young age because an injury meant I needed to retire at the start of my playing career. I started playing when I was five at the Feyenoord Academy and I played there for 12 years. I also played for the Dutch national youth teams. One game I remember was at Wembley with the under-14s in 1985. I was an attack-minded central midfielder. What happened with my injury was really unlucky. I was on a school trip when I was about 12 and I actually fell off the top of a bunk bed and seriously injured my knee. I had the wrong diagnosis at the time and carried on playing football. Then when I was 16, I twisted my knee in a game. The Dutch Federation checked it and they told me it was very bad. I'd done my cruciate and because of the fall earlier, it was already in a bad way. I had an operation, but it was severe because I was still growing and it was a difficult moment for me. I had a long rehab, more than a year, but played again for the Feyenoord Academy. Then I had to make a choice what I was going to do school-wise. In the Netherlands, there was a school for, shall we say, sports teachers. Not just football, other sports too. So I picked that at school and carried on playing, but I still had trouble with my knee. I was playing for Harlem, then was going to be offered a contract at Telstar, but during the medical, they said it would be difficult for me to play professional football because of my knee. Of course, it was very tough to take at that age. I was about 20, and then I decided to go into coaching directly. It was very, very tough, because a lot of the players I had played with went on to have professional careers, and I felt like I was not the worst one there. Because, let me be clear, there's nothing better than playing the game. As long as you can do it, you should, because it's beautiful. But OK, I was 21, and I started my coaching career at Feyenoord first coaching the under-14s, then I started coaching the under-18s too. So I was 22, just a few years older than the players I was coaching. But it felt natural to me. It depends on your personality, how you deal with it, but I felt I could speak the same language as the players. I soon started coaching older players in the amateur team too, and my passion for coaching grew. I was at Feyenoord for 13 years, coaching all the age groups. There were lots of great players there at the time, Robin Van Persie was one, of course, 
although he was never actually in my age group. While I was there, I had some experience of coaching abroad at a Belgian club that Feyenoord had a link with, Molenbeek. That was also good to learn a new way of communicating, another education for me. In the Netherlands, we're brought up in a certain way in football, but lately our vision has been much wider than it used to be. When I started, it was always 4-3-3, and we always played with wingers, especially in the academy, when we focused on playing triangles, always wanting to play attractive attacking football. That's part of the DNA for us. That's always part of me as well because I was quite a creative player, so it's always the way I wanted to play. But that also means that you want to have the ball as much as possible, so you need to win it back quickly when the opposition have it. I've always had that philosophy and have tried to develop it over the years. When I was 30, I became head of the academy at Feyenoord. Then after three years, I had the chance to go abroad and I decided to go work in a different culture in Abu Dhabi. I coached youth sides there and also helped build an academy. That was quite a challenge. It was totally different to what I was used to, but I enjoyed it and again I learned a lot. I returned to the Netherlands as the coach of the national under-17 side and at the same time I was an instructor for the UEFA A course. That all created a bigger package for me in how to deal with people. Coaching other coaches is very different to coaching players. But it was important for me to carry on working with players too. With the Netherlands, I had the age group of players born in 1990, so Daly Blind was part of that group, plus Jorginho Wijnaldum, Leroy Fur, and Nasser Barazite, who was at Arsenal then. I worked with the Dutch National Association for seven years, so you'd hardly be surprised to learn that there were a lot of good youth players at that time people like Memphis Depay and Nathan Ake. We became European champions at under-17 level two years in a row. We were successful, but what I loved was seeing players develop. I became under-21 coach when Louis van Gaal took over as senior team manager, and that's when I got to know him, because we had regular meetings to discuss the players who could step up. When he went to Manchester United, he offered me a role there as his assistant. I accepted the challenge and worked there for two seasons. It was another new experience to work in England. I was used to hard work and I liked that. But in the Premier League, everything was much more intense. The pressure of every game and every single decision. But we did okay. We qualified for the Champions League and the next season we won the FA Cup. When I stopped with Manchester United, I became a manager myself in the Belgian League with Racing Genk. That was my first job as a manager of a senior team, and I loved it. It was a club that fitted my philosophy. I took over in December 2016, and we were in the Europa League. The team started very early, playing all the qualifying rounds, and we reached the quarter-final, losing to Celta Vigo. I was only there one year, when the club got a little bit impatient, but overall, it was a very good experience again. That was when Ryan Giggs, who I'd worked with at Manchester United, brought me into the Wales national team. We worked really well together, and that time with Wales was really special. The role I had there was assisting Ryan, but I could also step forward more and use my strengths, like I had at United. It worked well, and we qualified for the Euros. When I was still working with Wales, I had opportunities to become manager again in the top flight in the Netherlands, before the opportunity with Mikel at Arsenal. One of the assistants at Wales, Ocean Roberts, knew Mikel well through the pro-licence courses and I'd done some presentations with the Welsh Federation 
so that's how I met Mikkel. We started talking, and it was clear that we had a common idea on how we wanted to play, how we wanted to develop the identity at a club. I was really impressed from the start, and I saw how strong his philosophy was. For me, it was like he'd been a manager for 20 years already. So we clicked, and when he asked me, I had the decision of whether to be a manager on my own in Holland or go with Mikel for an opportunity at this great club. I'm so happy that I made the decision to come to Arsenal. I'm one of the assistants in the technical team and we all have our strengths. We found a way within our staff to have a very strong team. The same that you want from the team on the pitch. Everybody has different qualities, but how do you make that work? My role is very much about the game plan. We analyse the opponents, then come up with ideas of how we can win the game. It sounds simple, but it's about looking at your own strengths, your opponent's weaknesses, and looking at how we can make it work. Then we think, how can we train on our game plan? That's a big part that comes to me as well. I organise the training sessions, and of course everything is discussed with each other. It's not that I decide it, because we're all a part of the plan, but I organise that side. So we put together a weekly schedule, planning what we work on each day in the run-up to the next game, and a little bit longer than that. But you need to stay flexible. Then on match days I'm there to assist Mikel, of course. I like to remain as calm and analytical as possible, and that's the same on the training pitches as well. How you see Mikel on the touchlines is how he is in training as well. Very passionate, very inspirational, and, I tell you, he sees everything, every little detail every little detail. So for me to take a wider view and then to step in when needed is an important part of my role. Sometimes that can be working with individuals in the squad as well. We all coach all of the players, but also we have groups that we might work with a bit more. But I think you need to step back too to see the bigger picture sometimes during the game as well. During the matches, I'm in constant contact with the other assistants. That's where the nickname AirPod Albert comes from. I'm in touch with Carlos Cuesta and Miguel Molina throughout the game. Carlos is close to the bench with us, but Miguel is in the stands, because you actually get a much better view of the game from there. We also have an iPad with us in the dugout to watch replays, so I'm in constant contact with them, and then I filter that information, together with what I see and what needs to be discussed, through to Miguel. During the game you can have too much information as well. That doesn't work. Mikel is totally in the game, so I only need to approach him with things that he needs to know. When we've gathered the best information between us, then we decide on certain things like subs, formation and tactics. It can be challenging in the heat of the game, so I try to be as calm as possible and keep my analysis head on. That comes with experience too. I'm obviously very different now to when I started coaching 30 years ago. If you don't change, then you're a very stubborn person. You have to be open to developing. When I started, I think I had a lot of frustration at not being able to play myself. So when I saw players not giving it absolutely everything, I would say, give me your knee and let me play the game. So acceptance comes with experience and also finding a way of what works with different players. I believe that one of the key qualities nowadays is that you need to be a very good communicator. It's not enough as a coach just to have the ideas. You have to be able to communicate them to the players in a way in which they can absorb the information. And every player is different in how they learn. Yes, you have to understand the game, have the philosophy, 
But it's so important now to understand how to deal with people too. That's a big part of our job. I'm a different coach to when I started, and I honestly believe that journey will never stop if you're open to learning more. I'm 51 now, but that doesn't mean I can't learn every day. And I'm so proud to be using my experience and learning more every day at Arsenal Football Club. In the period when Arsenal had a lot of great Dutch players, Dennis Bergkamp, Gio van Bronckhurst, Robin van Persie, I followed the club a lot. Also, I always liked Arsenal because I identified with their way of playing. It was so close to my own philosophy. So having the opportunity to work at a great club like this, there was no doubt in my mind. Especially the project we were brought into. It's similar in a way to Manchester United after Alex Ferguson left. It's not an easy job. It's a big challenge to create an identity again with the fans that they want to be part of. At the moment, we're really seeing that in the stadium. I'm proud of that development we've made and the connection with the fans that Mikel and the team are bringing back. Being part of that journey makes me very proud and I hope we'll stay a long time here to get the club where it belongs. We're on the right track. But there are a lot of steps still to walk. Sustainability. Red, white and green. Sustainability focus. Arsenal Football Club has a vision to lead the sporting community in a quest to a more sustainable future. And the Match Day programme is taking the lead. Working with Carbon Link in Kenya, this season's issue is offsetting the emissions generated during the programme production process, creating the Arsenal Forest in Africa. Carbon Link estimated we need to plant 12,500 trees, each absorbing 20 kilograms of carbon dioxide, over the next 10 years. With your help, we have exceeded that target, with 15,500 seedlings planted so far. But we can do more. The programme is also sponsoring small environmental projects around the club, as well as encouraging young fans and staff members to tell us about their green credentials. We are also highlighting our printer's environmental efforts. In addition, in each programme we showcase significant club-wide projects being undertaken as part of our drive to greater sustainability. Bishop's Backing Arsenal's programme print partner, Bishop's Printers, are considered one of the most environmentally conscious printers in the UK. Here we highlight their sustainability credentials. Bishop's FSC certified house stock paper does not use chlorine in the bleaching process. The paper mill itself is one of the most efficient and environmentally sound mills in the world. 60% of its electricity is produced on site and 80% of its energy is bioenergy. Bishops also recycle all waste paper. Scheme shortlisted. Our Arsenal Forest scheme has been shortlisted for not one but two awards at the upcoming Football Business Awards. As well as the Sustainability Award, the scheme is also in the running for the Best Innovation by a Club Award. Fingers crossed for a good result at the award ceremony, which takes place on Friday, May 27th. Boré Lions edged out in Neem Cup. 
As part of our forest sustainability project in Africa, we've been supporting Kenyan village teams in the Bore region with high-quality football kit. On Saturday, April 23rd, four of the best local sides competed in a very special new tournament, the Neem Cup, named after the variety of tree populating the Arsenal Forest. Over half the local population turned up to watch a tournament which has been sponsored by Carbon Link, who are Arsenal's partners in the Arsenal Forest Project. Delegates from Carbon Link and the Arsenal Forest Project, Lucy James, Theo Kithunga and Francis Angore, were at the tournament and handed over the special tournament kit, though the Bore Lions already had the Arsenal kit sent out to them at Christmas, of course. The Lions enjoyed a good tournament, but the inaugural winners of the Neem Cup were Niayo Football Club, who received new kit and the glory of being the first holders of the coveted cup. Meanwhile, around the corner at the Arsenal Forest site, the planting team were making the final preparations for getting the next batch of seedlings planted. The rains are coming any day now, so it's a race against time to get everything ready. Each player in the winning Niayo team agreed to plant two neem seedlings to add to the new Arsenal Forest plantation. Grow your own. Carbon Link has already received lots of orders for trees from supporters wishing to add to the Arsenal Forest. Over 15,000 trees are now being planted. Thanks for getting involved. We want to expand our 12.5-acre area to make our forest as big as possible. There are three options to purchase trees. 25 trees for £25, 50 for £50, 100 for £100. If you are concerned about your own carbon footprint, this is an excellent way of making a small, sustainable step in the right direction and also doing it in the name of the club you love. And what an excellent gift for an Arsenal fan in your life. Scan the QR code in the programme for more information on our project and details of how to be part of our forest. Arsenal are electric. Together with our official energy partner, Octopus Energy, we were delighted to launch a joint sustainability initiative to fit Emirates Stadium with electric vehicle chargers, handily located in the car park under the stadium. The chargers offer 100% renewable electricity to electric vehicle drivers on match days and for events at Emirates Stadium, and are 100% compatible with all electric vehicles currently on the market. A look into the future. The Academy under-16s go on a tour with a difference. Football is an international sport. Players travel thousands of miles with their clubs and their countries. Travel is one of the big contributors to carbon dioxide emissions and other air pollution. So how can a professional football club work to address this problem? This Easter, Arsenal, specifically the academy, tried to do things a little differently in an effort to start dealing with the issue. The under-16 team took a new view on a tour to Scotland to try to be more considerate towards our planet, whilst still creating a fantastic development tour for the academy players, our strong young gunners. The first step was getting to Scotland, 
The boys and staff boarded a train from London to Glasgow, hugely reducing the initial carbon footprint of the tour. Although in actual journey time the train is slower, when the group took into account travel to and from airport and waiting time, the team felt the train would be the perfect start. The squad then stayed at a hotel which had been previously used for COP26, so had been working hard to be more efficient already. As aspiring professional players, it is vital the team get the right nutrients to be able to fuel performance and recovery. Working with the academy nutritionist, the hotel was able to develop a menu that was locally sourced and offered the players and coaching staff vegetable-based options. After a competitive game against Rangers, the squad opted to engage with an environmental charity to help them with some planting projects on the banks of the beautiful Loch Lomond. And yes, the team travelled from their Glasgow base to the project site on the train. The team were also challenged to make changes to their behaviours with their choices, helping to earn trees that the club will commit to planting at our Arsenal Forest site in Kenya to help offset any residual emissions from the tour. This could be achieved by choosing vegetarian or vegan meals, which were still appropriate for performance, reusing towels, only using reusable water bottles and many other small changes. The team really committed to this project and we are delighted to report that the group were able to plant 500 trees and earn a further 145 to ensure that this will become a carbon neutral tour over time. Although this is only a small tour, it is vital to understand what we can do to be better. We all know that there will be times that we have to fly, but we can take action ourselves to limit our environmental impact. Well done to the under-16 squad and staff, who have been so supportive and enthusiastic. Eco Gunners We ask young Arsenal fans to tell us how they are helping the planet. Junior Gunner sisters, Luella, aged eight, and six-year-old Ali from Didcot, are both taking superb steps to help the environment. I'm eating less meat, as I know that farming animals is very bad for the environment, says Luella. I did love pepper armies, but I don't have them any more. And Ali is also doing her bit. I hate seeing litter in the local park says the younger sister. I worry about animals getting injured or trapped by it, and I enjoy going outside to pick it up. That's fabulous, Luella and Ali. We really appreciate the efforts you are making to help the environment. Octopus Energy, our official energy supplier, and who are supporting the club on its sustainability journey, are sending you both a cuddly octopus. If you are thinking about the environment... Email juniorgunners at arsenal.co.uk now. If we feature you in the programme, our friends at Octopus will send you a cuddly octopus too. Emile Smith-Rowe, Fanzone. Arsenal players discuss the influence and inspiration provided by you, the fans. I'd rather watch the game by myself so I can focus properly. Emile Smith-Rowe loves having friends and family watch him at the Emirates, but when he's watching football, he prefers not to be disturbed. Not because he's antisocial. 
It's because his highly tuned and receptive football brain is always watching, analysing, learning. Words, Michael Don Levy and Alex Taylor. Photography, Stuart McFarlane, David Price, Getty. Emil on watching himself. I hate watching myself play. I hate watching myself do interviews as well, so anything like that. If I did score, I'd watch the goal like ten times, and then after that I wouldn't go back to it. It's done. I'm already focusing on training and the next game. Fact file. Emile Smith-Rowe. Forward. England. Born Croydon, July 28, 2000. Joined as a full-time scholar in July 2016. Previous club. None. Debut. Versus Vorskla Poltava. Home. Europa League, September 20th, 2018. 1-4-2. First goal versus Quarabag. Away. Europa League, October 4th, 2018. 1-3-0. Arsenal Honours. Community Shield winner, 2020. England caps. 3-1 goal. It's hard to believe that Emil Smith-Rowe is still only 21 years old. There are two reasons why. Firstly, he has an incredibly mature football brain, and secondly, he has already packed so much into his career that you simply forget just how young he is. He manages to emphasise both of these points simply by discussing how much football he watches when he isn't playing it. I'd say I watch football most days. Whenever there's a game on, I want to watch it, no matter what league or country it is. So pretty much every game that's on television, Emil admits. And it's not just the Premier League either. I'll watch La Liga, the French League, Bundesliga, the Championship. I really like the Championship and enjoy watching that. I still follow Huddersfield because I've played there and I like seeing them do well. That's the first reminder of the young playmaker's depth of experience. His loan spell with the Terriers across the second half of the 2019-20 campaign. He made a big impression over the course of his 19 appearances and his second goal for the club, an 86th-minute winner in a 3-2 victory over West Bromwich Albion, helped secure Huddersfield's championship status for another season. He became a fan favourite very quickly and then manager Dan Cowley said, We have to be very protective of him which none of us like. I actually boo myself when I take him off, because it's not something I want to do. And of course, Smith Rowe mentions the Bundesliga. That's a second reminder. It's good to experience different countries and environments, says Emil. Obviously, I was on loan in Germany, and the atmosphere in the stadiums over there was a lot like here. In a way, that made the actual matches a bit like being at home. But it was great to experience that abroad. The number 10's loan spell in the Bundesliga with RB Leipzig in the second half of 2018-19 was less successful than his time in the Championship, but the fact that he was limited to just three appearances for the club was the result of an ongoing groin injury. The crucial point is that the youngster was willing to go abroad to test himself in an unfamiliar environment and work hard. Even watching football sounds like it's part of the job in the Smith Row household. I feel a bit rude saying this, but if I'm injured, say, and I'm watching Arsenal, I'd like to watch with my family. But I'm the kind of person who likes analysing the game, so I watch the game by myself. I don't like listening to other people's opinions. 
I'm not saying they don't know as much about football as me, but because I play football every day, I see things they might not see. Hearing people say things I don't agree with just frustrates me, and I'd rather watch the game by myself so I can focus properly. It wasn't always this way, if only because Emil's first taste of live football action came at an age when pressing meant jabbing the button at every set of traffic lights rather than closing down opposition players. My first ever game was at Craven Cottage, he recalls. It was a Fulham game, and I don't actually remember who they were playing. But my friend from primary school got tickets, and he asked me to go with him and his dad. I was probably five or six, so very young. I'm sure I went to Crystal Palace as well, because I grew up in Croydon, but I can't remember when. I feel like my dad took me when I was younger. The atmosphere is great there because the fans are really close to the pitch, he adds. But the trip to Fulham really sticks in the mind because it was the first. It was really good fun. And recently my mum found some photos that she had stored away of us at the game. Good memories. I was football mad, always playing it, always running around, chasing a ball. It helped that football was in the blood. My dad played semi-pro and I've forgotten who he played for, so he's going to kill me when he sees this, Emil says with a laugh. But he used to play, and he used to help me and my brother a lot in the garden, and he took it really seriously. My brother went to watch him play, but I was too young, so I never got the chance. Football is built on rivalries, and for the young Smith Rowe, that started at academy level as he progressed through the ranks to the under-18s and under-23s. The biggest rivalry was with Chelsea. They had some really good players, he recalls. It should have been Tottenham as well, of course, but at that time it didn't really feel like so much of a derby. It wasn't as intense. We used to beat Spurs, but Chelsea was always a hard game. They were usually tight games, although we did sometimes beat each other heavily. Sometimes in academy football, one team will just click on the day and play really well. But Chelsea always had a strong team, and it was always tough, especially at their ground. So many players have come through their academy, and we play each other now, so it's mad to see how far we've all come, he adds. I was away with England recently, and Conor Gallagher and Mark Gooey were there. They both came through the ranks at Chelsea, and I've been playing against them since we were nine or ten years old. We were talking about how funny it is, that we're now playing with each other for England. And there are others. Rhys James was in my age group. Callum Hudson-Odoi. A lot of really good players. In terms of the matchday experience, Emil Strange's football memory also stems from his days with the academy, on a rather uncomfortable trip to the northeast of England. We played Middlesbrough in the FA Youth Cup, and it was at a Sunday League stadium. It must be the equivalent of when we played at Boreham Wood. Not that Meadow Park is a Sunday league stadium, but in terms of Borough using a smaller local ground for youth matches, he says. It had one stand and everyone else was stood right next to the pitch, which had this weird sort of gate all the way around it. That was the strangest, and the pitch wasn't great either. We did win, but it was tough. Once Smith Rowe moved into the senior ranks, he could forget about Sunday league grounds. And on a personal level, that rivalry with Tottenham that didn't really spark at under-23 level ignited once the likes of Emil and Bukayo Saka had established themselves in the first team. 
the rivalry takes on an extra dimension when it involves players for whom the clubs have meaning. There have been a couple of games where the atmosphere has been amazing, but for the best, I'd probably go for the North London derby this season, when we won 3-1 and I got the knee slide out in front of my family. I keep talking about it, but why not? I'll probably talk about that for the rest of my life, and I do think it was the best atmosphere I've ever seen. The celebration was memorable too. It was almost as if it was planned. Not quite, says Emil. Me and Bukeo spoke about that at breakfast, although not actually about the celebration. We just said, imagine if we actually score today, and how big it would be. And then we both end up scoring. It was a mad feeling. For the most hostile reception the 21-year-old has received, however, we have to look further north than Tottenham. It's not the North London derby. I think it's probably Liverpool away, he says. That atmosphere was crazy, and you can't even hear yourself speak. Obviously, we ended up losing the game as well, which wasn't ideal, but at the same time, it was a good experience to go there. It was the first game I'd ever played at Anfield, and definitely the toughest away day of my career so far. The quality of the game, the intensity of the fans, I didn't realise how big it would be. The same could be said of Smith Rowe's first memory of playing in front of a genuinely huge crowd, which came as far back as the summer of 2018. The first moment I can remember that felt crazy was when I went on tour, he says, sounding slightly taken aback by the whole experience, even now. We went to Singapore, and that was my first time with the first team. The atmosphere in the stadium was crazy, with 80, 90,000 people. We didn't know any of them, but they were so loud and that was another wow moment. It was sad that my family couldn't be there, but it was amazing to see so many Arsenal fans on the other side of the world. And it was a very good experience, one I'll never forget. There's no doubt that his favourite crowd is much closer to home, however. My favourite stadium to play in is Emirates, of course, he says. Picking an away stadium is tough, but Old Trafford was good. It's very big, and it's hard work, but the pitch was nice. Wembley is definitely up there as well, he adds suddenly, as if forgetting for a moment that he is regularly in Gareth Southgate squads. It's crazy how big it is. Wembley's different, and it's a real pinch-yourself moment when you're out there. You're playing for your country, so it hits you differently. In some ways it doesn't hit you at the time, but when you think about it afterwards, it's wow. I've just been on the Wembley pitch and so many memories have been made on that pitch. Football isn't just about the pitch for Smith Rowe. And as an Arsenal fan, he has two favourite memories of being in the crowd at Emirates Stadium. There's my first ever Arsenal game that I came to watch as a supporter. And that was against Barcelona when Robin van Persie scored, Jack Wilshere ran the game and Andre Asharvin scored the second. I was right behind that goal. So that was great. And then my second was the North London derby when we won, I think, 4-2, and Lucas Torreira scored, then did that big celebration. That's one of my favourite Arsenal memories. We know that Smith Rowe and Saka share a special bond, and they think alike as well, because when it comes to naming the one game in history that Emile would love to have been at, he makes exactly the same choice as Bukeo did recently. I would go to watch the Champions League game between Barcelona and PSG when Barcelona came back and won 6-1, he says. 
The atmosphere must have been mad. I'd love to have seen that game live. No doubt they would have watched it in the stands together, and there's no question either that the bond between them, which saw them celebrate each other's history-making 10th Premier League goals of the season in the 4-2 win at Chelsea, for example, is one of the pillars upon which Arsenal can build future success at the Emirates and beyond. Just definitely no more Sunday league grounds. Sing up for the Arsenal, remembering a classic Arsenal chant from through the years. Who put the ball in Tottenham's net? Charlie Charlie. Who put the ball in Tottenham's net? Charlie Nicholas. Repeat twice. Who put the ball in Tottenham's net? Charlie Nicholas. To the tune of Camptown Races. With a momentous match against our North London rivals on Thursday, we thought we'd trawl through the Tottenham songs, and we eventually found one that was printable. This ditty was sung regularly in the mid-1980s when Charlie Nicholas was the darling of Highbury. We've Only Got One Song by Matthew Bazell and Mark Andrews is a book all about Arsenal songs down the years. It is available to buy from legendspublishing.net. Behind the headline, nine years of hurt is over. Sunday Mirror, May the 18th, 2014. Arsenal historian John Sperling reveals the story behind an eye-catching newspaper headline. A grand total of eight years, 11 months, 26 days, 38 minutes and 20 seconds elapsed between Patrick Vieira's spot kick, which won the FA Cup for Arsenal at the Millennium Stadium in 2005 against Manchester United, and the referee blowing his whistle at Wembley at the end of Arsenal's 10th FA Cup final with Hull City at Wembley in May 2014. A plethora of websites, the most prominent of which was www.sincearsenallastwonatrophy.co.uk, were built in the intervening period and browsers were furnished with some useful facts. One fact was that 27 of the league's 92 clubs won trophies, increasing to 52 if one includes promotion playoff trophies in the intervening period. Perhaps more obscurely, Mercury orbited the Sun 32 times. But Steve Stammer's mirror headline confirmed that Arsene Wenger's team had, finally, broken its trophy duck. On the run to Wembley, the Gunners played extremely well to defeat Tottenham and then saw off third-tier Coventry City team in round four with a hefty 4-0 win. A full-blooded encounter saw Wenger's men edge past Liverpool in the fifth round. Eight days after being hammered 5-1 at Anfield, goals from Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and Lukasz Podolski put Arsenal through, and in the quarter-final, Arsenal brushed aside an unusually downbeat Everton side to reach the semi-final for the first time since 2009. Lying in wait were holders Wigan Athletic, conquerors of Manchester City in the previous year's final. The Wembley clash with UA Rosler's side was balanced on a knife edge for much of the game. Rosler had sent Wigan out with the message, You have absolutely nothing to lose. They, on the other hand, have everything to lose. Disrupt Arsenal. And they did, with their hard-pressing game preventing the Gunners from getting into any sort of rhythm. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain admitted, For long periods, Wigan suffocated us. It was hard to think clearly and impose our game on them. 
Arsenal's defence looked jittery, and on 59 minutes, Per Matasaka upended the lively Callum McManaman. Gomez put Wigan a goal up from the penalty spot. It was only with around 15 minutes to go that the team began to make inroads on Wigan's defence. Bakary Sagner hit the post and Kieran Gibbs went close before, with 83 minutes gone, Metasaka scrambled home Oxlade-Chamberlain's wayward shot. Relief. The game meandered into extra time and penalties. On a rain-soaked Wembley day, Fabianski proved to be Arsenal's hero in the shootout, saving both of Wigan's first two kicks. As we saw in the 2005 final, sometimes you have to win ugly. A win is a win, admitted Wenger, sounding remarkably like George Graham. And with Wenger desperate to finally win silverware at almost any cost, that probably wasn't a bad thing. The day of reckoning, May the 17th, 2014, was finally here. As had been the case with the semi-final against Wigan, the FA Cup final against Hull City was a match which Arsenal dared not lose. Twitter will dissolve into an anti-social media as crying rivals pile in. The years of hurt will stretch to a decade. The chokes on Arsenal. The favourites know the high price of failure, warned Henry Winter in the Daily Telegraph. Such high stakes couldn't prevent Arsenal from the most calamitous of starts. After four minutes, James Chester diverted in a skewed shot. Four minutes later, Curtis Davis rammed the ball home after Stephen Quinn's shot was tipped away by Fabianski. Metasaka recalled, There was nothing else to do but try and keep our heads and fight back. There wasn't a grand tactical plan. Arsenal appeared to be imploding on the big occasion, not for the first time since 2005. But the Gunners' fight back also espoused their good points. Santi Carzola curled home a spectacular free kick on 17 minutes. Aaron Ramsey, back from a long-term injury, probed and tried to carve out openings. Laurent Koscielny tried to cajole his colleagues. On 71 minutes, Arsenal's pressure told as Koscielny bundled the ball home following a header by Sagner, and it was 2-2. Arsenal attempted to grab a late winner. Giroud's stinging shot was saved by Alan McGregor in the whole goal, and Yaya Sonogo hit the side netting. Carzola was denied what appeared to be a clear penalty. In extra time, Giroud hit the bar, and Ramsey went very close, but into the second period of extra time, spot kicks loomed large. Wenger had given a clear indication that he was going for broke when he substituted Carzola and Ozil, two players who would have taken penalties in a shootout, and replaced them with Jack Wilshire and Tomasz Rozyski. With a corpse of whole players on the edge of their area, Wilshire nudged the ball forward to Sonogo, who lost control. Giroud gained possession in the box, ran towards the touchline and backheeled into the path of Ramsey, who drilled the ball home with the outside of his right foot to make the score 3-2. The Welshman thoroughly deserved to join the likes of Charlie George, Alan Sunderland and Andy Linegan in the pantheon of Arsenal's dramatic late FA Cup final winners. There was a huge outpouring of relief as Ramsey was hotly pursued by Gibson Wilshire in front of the jubilant Arsenal fans before skidding to a halt flat on his back. For a few seconds he lay still, grinning and looking up at the clear blue sky. 
There was still an opportunity for Sonny Oluko to take advantage of Fabianski's rush of blood and pull his team level. He missed by a few inches. With Mercury preparing to orbit the sun once again, the final whistle went soon afterwards. Wenger's players gave him the bumps and soaked him in champagne. He didn't exactly look comfortable. It's not really the boss's kind of thing, admitted Theo Walcott, but as a smiling Wenger lifted the FA Cup a few minutes later, he resolved to stay in N5, where he'd win two more FA Cups at Wembley. Steve Stammer's simple but relief-fueled Sunday Mirror headline confirmed that Arsenal finally could smell silver polish once again. The four photographs with this report have the captions from top to bottom. Santi starts the comeback with a stunning free kick. Per Metasaka celebrates a very important goal in the history of the club. Aaron Ramsey shoots and the trophyless run comes to an end. And ecstatic scenes on the famous Wembley turf. The year 2014 in football. First Division winners, Manchester City, 2013-14. FA Cup winners, Arsenal. League Cup winners, Manchester City. Top scorer, Luis Suarez, 31, Liverpool. The game, FA Cup final, Wembley Stadium, May the 17th, 2014. Arsenal 3, Cazola, 17th minute, Koscielny, 71st minute, and Ramsey, 108th. Hull City, 2, Chester in the 4th minute, and Davis in the 8th. Playing for Arsenal were Fabianski, Sagner, Metasaka, Koscielny, Gibbs, Arteta, Ozil, substituted by Rosicki in the 105th minute, Ramsey, Kosola, substituted by Wilshire in the 105th minute, Podolski, substituted by Sonogo in the 61st minute, and Giroud. Subs not used were Vermaelen, Monreal, Flamini, Sejny. Also in 2014, the 22nd Olympic Winter Games are held in Sochi, Russia. Belgium becomes the first country in the world to legalise euthanasia for terminally ill patients of any age. Malaysia Airlines Flight 370, a Boeing 777 airliner en route to Beijing from Kuala Lumpur, disappears over the Gulf of Thailand with 239 people on board. Russia formally annexes Crimea after President Vladimir Putin signs a bill finalising the process. An estimated 276 girls and women are abducted from a school in Chibok, Nigeria. Narendra Modi succeeds Manmohan Singh as the 14th Prime Minister of India. The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies, is the highest-grossing film in the UK. Scotland votes against independence from the United Kingdom. Alan Eustace, an American computer scientist, sets a world record highest and longest freefall jump from 135,908 feet. U.S. President Barack Obama announces the resumption of normal diplomatic relations between the U.S. and Cuba. Community Voice Arsenal in the Community engages more than 5,000 participants every week. Each issue, we hear about one of our projects from their perspective. Hassan is 14 and from Islington. He's a participant in the Premier League's flagship kicks programme. When I was younger, 
I would walk through the park next to where I live and always saw people on the kicks programme and I thought it looked great. If I'm honest, I wasn't aware of any other projects delivered by Arsenal in the community at the time, but as soon as I heard about the kick session, I wanted to be involved straight away. At that time, I would usually go to the park on the weekend and play football by myself or with friends, but it was great to join a programme like Kicks. The first time I arrived, it was a bit strange because I didn't know anyone, but I was really excited and everyone was really kind to me and made me feel welcome. My best moment was when I walked out with Thomas Rosicki for the Arsenal vs Real Madrid Legends match in 2018. I was one of the mascots and got to walk on the pitch in front of all the fans. It was amazing. I mainly enjoy playing football and have made a lot of friends through playing in the park. A lot of my friends now go to kicks and it's good that we can participate together. All of the staff try their best and try to make football as fun as possible. They do drills that we want to do, which makes it more fun than just playing matches. When you play football, communication is one of the main things. I didn't used to talk much to anyone, but the sessions have helped me a lot with my confidence and my communication skills. Before I started, I wasn't very good at football, but playing a few times a week, I've improved a lot. I'm better at skills like Rabonas and Cruyff turns and using both feet. I'm happy and proud about how much I've improved and about all of the opportunities I've had through Arsenal in the community. I remember Joe Willock called me during the lockdown to give me a laptop from the club. I'm a really big Arsenal fan. I can't watch every game, but I check the scores every 10 minutes on my phone during the games. I'm happy to be a part of the club that I support and the community, and love having the opportunity to represent the club in matches and tournaments. I'd recommend our sessions to anyone. If they want to improve their skills and have fun, then they'll enjoy it. Everyone is welcome. It's made me more confident and improved my communication skills. I've met new people and taken part in lots of different things. Academy Young Gun, Khalil Green. Interview by Aidan Small. The basics, name, Khalil Green, born, London, 24th of November 2004. Joined, March 2021, height and weight, 5 feet 10, 80 kilos. Position, striker, boots, Adidas, times, pure speed plus. School, Hewand College, Hayes. Rate yourself, out of 100, pace, 85, dribbling, 83, passing, 79, shooting, 92, defending, 34, physical, 86. I've been obsessed with football for as long as I can remember. There's an old photo of me that sums it all up, really. I'm a toddler, and I can hardly even walk, but there I am, wearing my dad's boots and kicking a football while I'm holding myself up on a chair. My whole family loves football, so I never really had a choice. My uncle actually played for Crystal Palace when he was younger and was part of the same age group as Nathaniel Klein, while my dad was my coach from the day I was born until I was about 14 or 15. My brother plays too. I played a lot of street football growing up in Wilston. I lived in a flat so I used to either kick the ball around the house as a kid or go outside and smash it against a concrete wall with my friends. Then, on a Saturday, 
I would play for AFC Wembley, and on Sunday, I would play Sunday League. I must have done that from age five until I was thirteen. Then I moved to West Drayton and started playing for a club called West Drayton Explorers. I stayed there a year and got scouted by QPR. But then the season after, I was picked up by Southampton at age fifteen, and that's when my journey in academy football really started. It was an amazing experience for me, and I was so excited to get the opportunity to play for one of the country's best academies. But it was a massive step up for me. Coming from Sunday League, the speed of the game was so much faster, and all of a sudden I had to get used to taking on tactical information. That basically doesn't exist in Sunday League. It's just about going out there, working hard, and having fun. Growing up, I didn't think I was the best player because a lot of kids from my old team went on to play at a higher level than me. But as I grew up, I became the best player in my team, and that was ultimately a shock for me when I joined Southampton, because suddenly the standards were so much higher. I was no longer the best and had to catch up, so that was a lot of pressure for me. I used to travel down from London to train and play with Southampton. So I would leave school an hour early, and quite often I wouldn't even get back home until gone ten p.m. They eventually sorted me out with Dicks, but then COVID happened, so I had to move back to London, and obviously I didn't play any football with Southampton for a long while. That was a really difficult period for everyone, and after coming back to Southampton for talks about my future. I was told that I wouldn't be offered a scholarship. That was a real turning point for me because I realised a lot of things about how hard I would need to work if I wanted to go pro and become the best possible version of myself. Hearing about Arsenal's interest in signing me was obviously amazing, because I lost a lot of confidence after being turned away by Southampton. But if I'm being completely honest, I didn't allow myself to get too excited because all I could think about was working hard to take full advantage of the opportunity. I knew I had to do better because there's a lot of competition out there for professional contracts, especially here at Arsenal. I've been here since March 2021 now, and I feel like I've developed my game in a lot of different areas. Having trained with so many high-quality players, I'm a pure striker, and while I can also play out wide, I think I'm at my best through the middle. I love to run in behind because I'm a very powerful runner, and I'm a sharp finisher inside the penalty area too. Obviously, here at Arsenal, I knew I'd be competing against the likes of Kean Edwards, who is a really good striker. So going into this season. I told myself to be patient and just focus on improving myself in as many areas as possible, physically, mentally, and technically. Having the chance to train with the first team has been incredible too. It's something that I'm very grateful for experiencing. The first time I trained with them was amazing, and I surprised myself in a few areas. But then the second time was really tough and a valuable experience in terms of seeing just how talented Premier League footballers are. Bukayo Saka and Gabriel Martinelli blew me away, and it showed the size of the gap between under-18s football and first-team football. 
For me, it wasn't that they were doing incredible skills or anything like that. It was just the speed and accuracy they showed while executing the basics. Every touch, pass, shot and decision is so, so sharp, and I admire everything about their mentality, attitude and approach to hard work. That's the bar I need to reach if I want to achieve my full potential. Low down. Earliest memory of football. Playing with my friend on concrete playground in nursery. First footballer I looked up to, Luis Suarez. Best friend in football, Ferpideru. Team supported as a child, Liverpool. Biggest influence on my career, my dad. Favourite goal of all time, Zlatan bicycle kick versus England. Best goal I've scored, halfway line goal at grassroots for West Drayton Explorers. Best game I've had, in the Floodlake Cup against Plymouth. Proudest achievement in football so far, signing for Arsenal. Who I combined best with on the pitch, Jimmy Gower and Ismail Ulad Umhand. Best moment of career so far, scoring against Chelsea in Floodlit Cup semi-final. Most difficult moment so far, being released from Southampton. If I had to change position, central midfield. If I had to sing a song to save my life, bad girls, usher. Another sport I'm good at, table tennis. About me... Favourite footballer of all time, Lionel Messi. If I could speak to my younger self, I would say, make sure you work hard and most importantly, enjoy yourself. Favourite follow on Instagram, Harry McCurdy. Favourite music artist right now, Chris Brown. Favourite pre-match song, Promises, Charmy. Best football attribute, Shooting. One thing I need on an away day, my headphones. One thing I want to do in my football career, play in the World Cup. First team player I look up to most, Bukio Osaka. Player who shaped my game most, Harry Kane. Best thing about being at Arsenal, being around such amazing players and coaching staff. A TV series I would recommend, Stranger Things. Something not many people know about me. I used to think I was a really good singer. Around the Academy. Four games, no defeats. Our under-23s wrapped up the season with consecutive draws against Manchester United and Leeds United. The 1-1 draw at Old Trafford saw a welcome return from injury for Kido Taylor-Hart and it was his shot on the half-hour that was parried into the path of Mika Biereth who tapped home. The host drew level two minutes after the break through Noam Emeron. The final match of the season resulted in a well-earned point against Leeds United at Emirates Stadium. Marcelo Flores gave us the lead after 33 minutes but Hubert Grasic was forced into a spring of impressive stops before finally being beaten 20 minutes from the end through Sean McGurk. The result secured third place for Kevin Betsy's side in Premier League 2. Our under-18s continued their impressive form, going into the final few matches of the season, picking up 2-0 and 2-1 wins over Norwich City and Fulham, respectively, at London Colney. 
Ethan Waneri opened the scoring against Norwich after good work from Amario Koza Dubri and Ismail Ulondmhand secured all three points, arriving late into the box from deep to score his first goal for Dan McKitchie's side. Against Fulham, the team showed spirit to come from behind to secure victory. Georgios Ocker scored the opener for the visitors in the first half, but with just a minute left on the clock, Bradley Ibrahim produced a brilliant strike to equalise. The turnaround was completed in the fifth minute of stoppage time, defender Taylor Foran scoring the winner in dramatic fashion from close range. Visitors, Leeds United. Words, Mike Hammond. Photography, Getty Images. Formed, 1919. Nickname, The Whites, The Peacocks. Owners, Asa Group Holdings, 49ers Enterprises. Chairman, Andrea Radrizani. Stadium, Ellen Road. Honours, League Champions, 1968-69, stroke 1973-74, stroke 1991-92. Stroke Second Division Championship. Winners, 1923-24, stroke 1963-64, stroke 1989-90. Stroke 2019-20 stroke 20. FA Cup winners 1972 League Cup winners 1968 Community Shield winners 1969-1992 Intercities Fairs Cup winners 1967-68, stroke 1970-71 stroke These are worrying times for Leeds United as the Yorkshire club's second season back in the Premier League after a 17-year absence draws to a close, there are genuine concerns that they could be relegated back to the Championship. Despite a recent five-match unbeaten run that ended last weekend when they lost 4-0 at home to Manchester City. While that defeat by the champions and league leaders was hardly a surprise, the problem for Leeds of late has not been their own form but the sudden resurgence of relegation rivals Burnley and Everton, who both won last weekend. The former moving above Leeds on goal difference with 34 points after a late comeback at Watford. The latter closing to within two points and with a game in hand after winning 1-0 at home to Chelsea. With just eight Premier League wins all season and twice as many defeats, this has been a far cry from their first campaign back in the top flight when, a year after romping away with the championship title under Marcelo Bielsa, they re-established themselves among the elite by chalking up 59 points to finish in ninth place. Indeed, they were the only one of the three promoted clubs to survive as Fulham and West Bromwich Albion both went down. In comparison, this season has been fraught with problems not least long-term injuries to key players, Patrick Bamford, Calvin Phillips and skipper Liam Cooper. The Whites lost 5-1 at Manchester United on the opening weekend and had to wait seven games for their first win. They did not string two Premier League victories together until the turn of the year and after four defeats in a row in February, conceding 17 goals, Bielsa's time was up. Into the breach stepped American coach Jesse Marsh, after defeats in his first two games, the ex-Salzburg and Leipzig boss oversaw three wins and two draws in his next five to seemingly put Leeds on the road to safety. 
Then came last Saturday's home defeat by Manchester City and the wins for their relegation rivals, which makes this afternoon's game and the three that follow over the next fortnight against Chelsea home, Brighton home and Brentford away of huge potentially historic importance. The boss, Jesse Marsh, head coach, born November 8th, 1973 in Racine, Wisconsin, USA. Previously, Montreal Impact, 2011-2012. New York Red Bulls, 2015-18. Salzburg, 2019-21. Leipzig, 2021. Jesse became the third American manager stroke head coach to operate in the Premier League after Bob Bradley and David Wagner when he was appointed to the Leeds job in late February. Handed the unenviable task of replacing much-loved Ellen Road maverick Marcelo Bielsa, the 48-year-old from Wisconsin has done a decent job so far with three wins, two draws and three defeats. He started this campaign as the new head coach of RB Leipzig, leading them in the Champions League, as he had done with previous club Salzburg, where he won back-to-back Austrian domestic doubles, but was dismissed by the German club in early December. Number 1. Wearing the Gloves Ilan Meslier Goalkeeper Born Lorient, France, 2nd of March 2000 Previously, Lorient Ilan joined Leeds on loan from Brittany club Lorient in August 2019 and made his debut here at Emirates Stadium in a 1-0 FA Cup third round defeat in January 2020. Initially the understudy to Kiko Casilla, he has been the team's first choice in the Premier League starting all 34 games this season. Tall, fresh-faced and a spectacular shot-stopper, the France under-21 international has already conceded six goals against Arsenal this season, two in the EFL Cup and four in the league. Number two, the ex-gunner, Luke Ayling, defender, born Lambeth, 25th of August 1991. Previously, Arsenal, Yeovil, Bristol City. Luke began his career here at Arsenal and was a Premier Academy League stroke FA Youth Cup double winner in 2008-09 alongside Jack Wilshire. But he made no first team appearances before being loaned out to Yeovil. He joined Leeds from Bristol City in 2016 and has become a first eleven mainstay, playing predominantly on the right side of defence. He missed a large chunk of this season's campaign in the autumn with a knee injury, but scored a vital late winner in the team's recent 3-2 victory at Wolves. Number 23. The local lad, Calvin Phillips, midfielder. Born, Leeds, 2nd of December 1995. Previously, none. Born and bred in the city. Calvin is a one-club Leeds United servant who came of age at international level during Euro 2020 when he formed an impressive midfield partnership with Declan Rice and started all seven games for England. A gifted anchorman, the 26-year-old has been dubbed the Yorkshire Pirlo, developing his game superbly under coach Marcelo Bielsa. However, he has only just returned to the team after a four-month absence with a ruptured thigh muscle. Number 43. The Engine Room. Mateusz Klitsch. Midfielder. Born. Tarnow, Poland. 13th of June 1990. Previously. Karakowia. Wolfsburg B. 
P E C Zwoller Wolfsburg B Kaiserslautern Twente Utrecht Loan A much travelled Poland international midfielder Matthias joined Leeds in 2017 from Dutch club FC Twente but it was not until he had returned from a half-season loan back in the Netherlands with Utrecht that he established himself at Elland Road. His tireless endeavour making him an indispensable figure in Marcelo Bielsa's sight. Capped 38 times by Poland, the 31-year-old made his major tournament debut at Euro 2020, starting all three matches. Number 10, on the right, Rafina, winger. Born Porto Alegre, Brazil, 14th of December 1996. Previously, Vitoria Gumares, Sporting Lisbon, Rennes. An exotic and exciting addition to the Leeds ranks following their promotion two years ago, Rafina made his first Premier League start in a goalless draw at home to Arsenal. A Portuguese Cup winner with Sporting in 2019 before leaving to join Rennes, where he spent just one season, the tricky left-footer's form for Leeds has earned him international recognition with Brazil, for whom he scored twice in a 3-0 win against Uruguay on his first World Cup qualifying start. Number 22. On the left, Jack Harrison, midfielder. Born Stoke-on-Trent, 20th of November 1996. Previously, New York City, Manchester City, Middlesbrough, Lone. Jack's route to the Premier League has been unconventional. Having emigrated to the USA at 14, the left-footed midfielder's first senior club were MLS side New York City, where he spent two seasons before returning to England to join affiliated club Manchester City and then having three seasons on loan at Leeds before signing permanently with the Whites last summer. He recently scored in three successive Premier League games to make it seven goals in total this calendar year. Number 19. The record by Rodrigo, forward. Born Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, 6th of March 1991. Previously, Real Madrid, Benfica, Bolton Loan, Valencia. Brazilian-born Spain international Rodrigo became Leeds' record signing when he joined from Valencia on a four-year deal in August 2020 for £27 million. His time at Ellen Road has generally been hit and miss, though he found the net in all of the three recent wins against Norwich, Wolves and Watford. A score of eight goals in 27 internationals, including the Nations League winner against England at Wembley in September 2018, the 31-year-old striker won the Portuguese League Cup twice with Benfica. Number 20. The summer signing. Daniel James, winger. Born Hull, 10th of November 1997. Previously, Swansea, Shrewsbury, loan, Manchester United. After missing out on a transfer from Swansea to Leeds at the 11th hour in January 2019, Daniel finally sealed his move to Ellen Road two and a half years later when he joined from Manchester United. The pacey winger-come-striker had two seasons of mixed fortunes at Old Trafford, starting brightly before falling out of favour. Capped 31 times for Wales, he's likely to be a key figure in next month's World Cup qualifying playoff final against Scotland or Ukraine. Visitors, Leeds United. Scouting Report. Words, Michael Cox, 
photography, Getty Images. Jesse Marsh sprung a tactical surprise last weekend against Manchester City, using a five-man defence for the first time since replacing Marcelo Bielsa two months ago. Although it eventually resulted in a 4-0 loss, Marsh's approach proved effective at breaking up City's possession, and their first two concessions were from set plays rather than because the defence had been penetrated in open play. It remains to be seen whether Marsh continues with that formation this weekend. His options are limited after Stuart Dallas injured himself in a heavy challenge with Jack Grealish, and he ended up playing Brazilian winger Rafinha as an unconventional wing-back after Dallas's substitution. It seems more likely that he'll revert to the 4-2-3-1 that he's generally used since taking charge, which has brought crucial victories over Norwich, Wolves and Watford. Marsh's main task has been improving Leeds' defensive record. They conceded 20 goals in their final five league games under Bielsa. They started to concede less, in part thanks to Diego Loriente and Liam Cooper being fielded together for a run of games. But Loriente was left out last week and didn't start even when Cooper pulled out injured shortly before kick-off. The enforced chopping and changing might not help and Marsh is likely to use two of Loriente, Robin Koch and Pascal Stritch. The latter two have both been used in midfield this season, which underlines their quality in possession. At fullback, Arsenal Academy graduate Luke Ayling was a classic example of a workmanlike player who had his career transformed under Bielsa, and was particularly impressive with his constant forward running in the dramatic 3-2 comeback victory against Wolves. On the left, Junior Firpo is similarly attack-minded, although has sometimes struggled defensively this season, in part because Bielsa's man-marking system is unlike anything else in modern European football. Marsh's approach may suit him better. In midfield, Calvin Phillips has endured an injury-hit campaign, but has returned recently to play a deep midfield role, which features both lots of energy and some excellent long-range passes. He's usually paired with a more physical player like Matthias Kitsch, which means the patient passer Adam Forshaw is unlikely to start. Going forward, Rafina is a major threat down the right, with his purposeful dribbling and dangerous shooting after cutting inside onto his left foot. He can also switch sides with Jack Harrison, a less flashy player but impressive in terms of his efficiency in front of goal. Centrally, Marsh has favoured using Spain international Rodrigo in the number 10 position, from where he drives forward on the break and plays good passes into the channels. With Patrick Bamford out, Marsh has often followed Bielsa's lead and uses speedster Daniel James as the centre forward. It's difficult to think of a more different type of player to Bamford, a tall player adept with his back to goal and good at bringing others into play. Youngster Joe Gelhard has impressed as a super sub this season. Will Sam be playing it again? Young forward Sam Greenwood is making his presence felt in the Leeds first team after joining the Ellen Road club from Arsenal at the start of last season. The 20-year-old has been brought on as a substitute in Leeds' last three matches by Jesse Marsh, who has high hopes for a player who spent two years in North London after arriving from his native Sunderland as a first-year scholar in 2018. Quick, skilful, and combative, Sam made his debut for England under-21s this season, 
scoring against Georgia in a 3-2 defeat back in November. Women. Arsenal women. News and reports from England's most successful women's football team. Gunners rack up three big wins. Arsenal kept up the pressure on women's Super League leaders Chelsea, heading into the final day of the season today by holding their nerve to see off Everton, Aston Villa and Tottenham Hotspur with an aggregate score of 13 to nil. First up, Jonas Eideval's team showed great patience to pick off a stubborn Everton team away from home on Saturday, April 24th. It took until just before the interval for the visitors' persistence to pay off when Caitlin Ford collected Leah Williamson's rasping pass with a near first touch and clipped the ball past Sandy McIver from the left. The Gunners continued to probe after the restart, but it took until the 68th minute for the second goal to arrive. Viviane Maydemmer crossing for Mead to score via McIver's arm. Mead was involved in the third goal as well, as sub Jordan Nobbs played a 1-2 with her England colleague and rifled the ball home. A week later, the Gunners were on fine form in their final home game of the season at Meadow Park, putting seven past Aston Villa. Miedema did the damage by combining with Mead and firing home from the edge of the area on nine minutes, then doubling the lead just four minutes later. And although she didn't score the third, she certainly created it, rifling a shot off the bar that then rebounded in off the helpless Rachel Corsi on 52 minutes. Mead scored the pick of the goals by collecting the ball in space and lashing the ball past Rogers into the top right corner before Lot Vuben Moy added the fifth from close range and sub Stina Blackstanius cut in from the right and slotted the ball home through Rogers' legs. Nikita Paris added the seventh, her 50th Women's Super League goal, from the spot late on. Finally, the Gunners ensured they would go into today's deciding game away to West Ham United, one point behind Chelsea, who host Manchester United, by beating Tottenham at the Emirates on Wednesday night. Mead opened the scoring with a fierce drive on four minutes, before Caitlin Ford added a late double the second of which was a wonderful curling effort to ensure North London is red. Arsenal paid tribute to quadruple winner Anita. The result wasn't quite what she was hoping for, but Sunday, May 1st, was a special day for Aston Villa defender Anita Asante, who will retire from the game at the end of this season. Anita is the last of the starting eleven from our UEFA Cup win in 2007 to retire from the game, and we thought that was worth marking. We gave the former gunner a guard of honour, presentations from both our players and our supporters' association, and a letter from the club that Anita has since shared on Twitter. Having come through our academy, Anita won five league titles, four FA Cups, and two League Cups. Primarily a central midfielder at that point in her career, Anita dropped back into defence for the two-legged 2007 UEFA Cup final and was colossal against Brazilian legend Marta and Umia Swedish goal machine Hannah Lundberg as we secured the historic quadruple that season. 
All the best for your retirement, Anita. Good luck, Tobin. Tobin Heath has been released early from her contract with the club by mutual agreement. Tobin sustained a minor hamstring injury in training that ruled her out of our remaining women's Super League matches, so she has returned to the USA to focus on her rehabilitation. Thank you for all your efforts on and off the pitch, Tobin, and good luck for the future. Leah joins Tony in supporting local business. Arsenal centre-backs past and present, Leah Williamson and Tony Adams, have joined Aaron Ramsdale, Emile Smith-Rowe, Rob Holding and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang in supporting local businesses, this time Buckingham Locksmiths, as part of the Arsenal Supporting Supporters series. This film sees Leah feature in a 60-second advert alongside Gunner's great Tony, and you can see and hear it at arsenal.com and on our social media channels now. Match action. Chelsea versus Arsenal. Chelsea 2, Arsenal 4. Chelsea scorers, Werner, 17th minute. Aspilicueta, 32nd minute. Arsenal scorers, Nakataya, 13th minute, 57th minute. Smith Rowe, 27th minute. Saka, 90th minute penalty. Wednesday, April 20th, 2022. Stamford Bridge. Timeline. 13th minute. Nakataya races away to beat the keeper one-on-one. 17th minute. Werner's deflected shot gets Chelsea level. 27th minute. Smith Rowe guides in from the edge of the area. 32nd minute. Aspilicueta converts across from close range. 57th minute. Nakataya prods home inside the area for his second. 90th minute. Saka is fouled in the box, then scores the penalty. Talking heads. Eddie Nakataya. It was amazing to come here to Stamford Bridge in a London derby and get the three points, especially after three losses. It feels great and to contribute is a nice feeling. We're going to go for it. We want to push and give everything these last six weeks or however long is left. And I think we're right in the race and we believe in ourselves. We want to do it for the fans, so we're going to give it our all until the end of the season. Mikel Arteta. We scored four goals with our academy players, which is unique and great. I know that our fans have been disappointed in the last two weeks because of the expectation we've created for them. And thankfully today, we give them something back. Facts. This was our 250th away win in the Premier League. We had six Englishmen in our starting eleven for a Premier League game for the first time since September 2001. Bukayo Saka scores his first senior penalty for the club. Match action. Premier League, Saturday, April 23rd, 2022, 12.30pm, Emirates Stadium. Arsenal 3, Manchester United 1. Timeline, 13 minutes. Tavares scores at the far post after Saka's shot is saved. 28. Enketia's goal is ruled out for offside, but a penalty is awarded for a foul on Saka. 32. Saka converts the spot kick for 2-0. 34. Ronaldo sweeps home a deep cross. 57. 
Fernandes hits the post with his penalty after Tavares handballed. 70. Jacka blasts home inside the post from 25 yards out. Talking heads. Nuno Tavares. We won and I got my first goal. It was amazing. We started very hard. We wanted to put pressure on United and we got it. Now we are closer to achieve our objective. We have five finals to go. Mikel Arteta. It had everything. The way we started was superb. We showed real quality and dominance. We created the chances and scored the goals. We got the crowd behind us who created an electrifying atmosphere. And then the last five minutes in the first half and the first 20 in the second, our energy dropped. We were lucky and we escaped that moment not to concede the equaliser. And then we got some momentum back. We started dominating the ball better. Granite scored a wonder goal. It helped us to win the game and for us it was a huge moment. Facts. We have won 19 games in the Premier League this season, one more than in 2020-21. We have scored more Premier League goals via players aged 23 or under than any other side in the competition this season. 37. All three of Granite Xhaka's goals against Manchester United have been scored from outside the box. Match action. Premier League, Sunday, May 1st, 2022, 4.30pm, London Stadium. West Ham United, 1. Bowen, 45. Arsenal, 2. Holding, 38. Gabriel, 54. Stats. Possession. WHUFC, 57%. AFC, 43%. Total shots. WHUFC, 8. AFC, 13. Shots on target. WHUFC, 3. AFC, 7. Block shots. WHUFC, 4. AFC, 2. Offsides. WHUFC, 1. AFC, 0. Corners. WHUFC, 3. AFC, 7. Tackles, 1. WHUFC, 6. AFC, 9. Yellow Carts, WHUFC 2, AFC 2. Red Carts, WHUFC 0, AFC 0. Timeline 13, holding heads in from Saka's corner. 43, Ramsdale pushes Rice's header onto the bar. 45, Bowen equalises for the Hammers with a deflected shot. 54, Gabrielle puts us back ahead. Heading in Martinelli's cross. 72. Nicotea shoots just wide when through on goal. Talking heads. Rob Holding. The fans were calling to bring Rob Holding on, but he was already on. It's what it's been like. Ben and Gabby have been great all year, and when I've had to come on and try and help us secure the three points, it's vital for us, so to play the full 90 minutes and get the three points is even better. Mikel Arteta. We showed a real fight, spirit, togetherness and a resilience and ambition not to give up when we had difficult moments. Especially in ball possession, we did good not to throw the game away. I think we showed a real maturity there, because in those moments we managed the game really well for what the team needed. Not particularly for the way that we wanted to play, but for what the team needed. Facts. Rob Holding scored his first ever Premier League goal, on his 81st appearance in the competition. 
Bukayo Osaka has been directly involved in 17 goals for Arsenal in the Premier League this season. 11 goals, 6 assists. Arsenal have won more Premier League games in May than any other side, 51. West Ham have lost more Premier League games against Arsenal, 34, than they have versus any other side in the competition. Teams For Arsenal, manager Mikel Arteta Red shirts with white sleeves, white shorts, red and white hoop socks. 1. Ben Leno, goalkeeper. 3. Kieran Tierney. 4. Ben White. 5. Thomas Partey. 6. Gabriel. 7. Bukayo Saka. 8. Martin Odegaard. 9. Alexandre Lacazette. 10. Emil Smith-Rowe. 16. Rob Holding. 17. Cedric Suarez 18. Takahiro Tomiyasu 19. Nicolas Pepe 20. Nuno Tavares 23. Albert Sambi Lokonga 25. Mohamed Elneny 30. Edian Kitia 32. Aaron Ramsdale, goalkeeper 33. Arthur Okonkwo, goalkeeper 34. Granit Xhaka 35. Gabriel Martinelli 58. Mika Bierth 61. Mazida Gongbo 65. Salah Adin Ulad Mhand 69. Zach Swanson 75. Zach Arway 78. Marcello Flores 82. Omari Hutchinson 87. Charlie Patino For Leeds United Head Coach Jesse March Dark blue shirt, shorts and socks with white trim. 1. Ilan Meslier, goalkeeper. 2. Luke Ayling. 3. Junior Firpo. 4. Adam Forshaw. 5. Robin Koch. 6. Liam Cooper. 9. Patrick Bamford. 10. Rafinha. 11. Tyler Roberts. 13. Christopher Kleisen, goalkeeper. 14. Diego Lorente. 15. Stuart Dallas 19. Rodrigo Moreno 20. Daniel James 21. Pascal Strauch 22. Jack Harrison 23. Calvin Phillips 26. Louis Bate 30. Joe Gelhart 35. Charlie Craswell 38. Crescentio Somerville 39. Stuart McKinstry 42. Sam Greenwood 43. Matthias Klitsch 45. Liam McCarran 46. Jamie Shackleton Referee Chris Kavanagh Assistant Referees Harry Leonard Mark Perry Fourth Official Andre Mariner VAR Official John Brooks Additional VAR Official Daniel Robothan Today's other fixtures Norwich City vs West Ham United at 2pm Leicester City vs Everton at 2pm Manchester City versus Newcastle United at 4:30 p.m. The Arsenal Foundation helping young people fulfill their potential through education and sport. No room for racism.
no room for racism anywhere. Arsenal and the rest of the Premier League will not tolerate racism anywhere, and we are taking action to combat all forms of discrimination. But we can all do more. Challenge it, report it, change it, and together we can make a positive impact. Visit premierleague.com forward slash no room for racism to find out more. Hashtag no room for racism. Challenge it, report it, change it. Premier League, Arsenal. Twenty twenty one to twenty two membership. Red membership. My Arsenal Rewards. Priority ticket access. Junior Gunners. 2021-22 membership. Junior Gunners membership. Discounted tickets. Membership pack. Join now. Arsenal.com slash membership. There is a QR code to be scanned on the print version of the programme. Adidas.com slash Arsenal. Where we belong. Where we belong. 